on this episode of Free Beer and Real Estate. I'm not necessarily looking to have one investor who does 10 deals a month. I'm okay if I've got five investors that each do for a year. You know, that's a pretty good foundation for my business. So as long as you've vetted them properly, I'm okay with the investor that does a few transactions a year, but vetting them is so, so important. Hey everyone, it's time again to crack open a cold one and talk real estate with Mike Ferrante from Century 21 Homestar and the 21 Mike team based in Cleveland, Ohio. We are chatting about all things real estate from agent training, real estate investing, buyer and seller tips, and more. It's free beer and real estate. All right. Welcome, everybody. It's another Tuesday training. Every Tuesday, 1130 till about 1150 or so, Tony Geraci and I hop on and do some free agent training. And today's a really cool topic. It's actually something that I enjoy personally being a real estate investor myself. Uh, but anyway, it's all about working with investors. So I know a lot of agents kind of cringe and say, oh, I don't do that. Uh, but just like in 2008, when the market shifted, a lot of people said, I don't do bank owned. I don't do short sales. And I think that working with investors is a great way to grow your business, to make it sustainable and nice and level. You know, it adds a little stability to your business. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, let's do introductions now. Uh, actually, I'm going to mix things up today. Introduce Tony first. He's on uh, audio only, uh, but Tony is a wealth of knowledge. Tony Geraci with Century 21 Homestar. He's broker owner. And uh, Tony is always accessible to talk real estate uh, agents. You can reach out to Tony at 216-374-1269. And text is a great way to reach Tony. How'd I do, Tony? That was perfect. Thank you. Better than I could do. Oh, please. Tony also does a great training daily, uh, daily real estate workouts, I think we call it. Uh, Tony, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I know you do that daily. Uh, how do we tune in for you on, on that? Yeah, just on my Facebook page, but also I email out to all of our agents too once a week too. So you either get it one or you could uh, just go on my Facebook page. It's open to the public. Everybody can see it. <laughs> so you can go back every day. I love doing the videos on different topics today. So like today's topic is what's the story you're telling yourself in your head? <laughs> Got it. That's a, Tony Robbins loves that. He's all about the, the stories that we make up. You know, when people say, oh, I can't do that, or I'm limited, those limiting beliefs, those are the stories that we all tell ourselves. And by the way, uh, Tony, I believe you are also putting your videos on your YouTube channel, right? Yes, they're on my YouTube channel too. So everything's there. And it's, it's, I started the daily videos kind of when COVID started and I thought it would be something to do just during COVID and, and people were, you know, kind of, hunkered down at home and I enjoy doing it and the agents have getting great feedback from it. So I started doing it. I love to talk. So might as well keep doing it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you for all that. And thanks for joining me and uh, your input on my classes. I'm Mike Ferrante, also with Century 21 Homestar. I run a team of agents called the 21 Mike team. We, we cover all of Ohio now. So Tony, you heard about this recently. We expanded to Columbus and we're growing a team around a really wonderful agent down there. And so agents uh, and buyers and sellers alike, you can reach me at our website, 21mike.com, where you can click the link right at the top to schedule an appointment, or email is always great for me, mike at 21mike.com. So enough intros and banter, let's dive right into this, Tony. Uh, working with investors, I, again, I know some of you cringe when we talk about this topic, but, I, and I will cover some negatives, because believe me, there, there's no 
perfect uh, type of business in this business of real estate. But I wanted to talk about it today because, you know, for me, it was a really great benefit in getting my business started. So I'm going to talk about some pluses. So I'm going to hit everything I have. And Tony, if I miss anything, feel free to chime in. But the pluses of working with investors, one of the big ones is the repeat business aspect of what we do. So for example, if you're working with a flipper, for example, you know, they're looking for properties that need work, some kind of distress, and they're buying it, and then typically they're reselling them. So that's a pretty cool thing about flippers is that you're getting a sale and then you're listing a home. And of course, for all of us right now, listings is a huge part of the business. Even if you're working with people who are renovating to rent properties to buy and hold, if you have a long-term vision for your business, like I did, I've been in the business uh, 13 years now, not quite 30 like Tony, but these investors eventually sell their properties. And the cool thing about them too is that they know other investors. So what happens, you know, they're in a market and one of their friends or other fellow investors are saying, hey, I need, a, I need an agent, you know, especially if their agent is not doing the job or if they've never had an agent and they're looking to expand. It's a great way to get repeat business and referrals. Now, another great thing about this is, of course, it raises your volume up. And by volume, I don't mean dollars necessarily, but number of transactions. And there's so many benefits to having a higher number of transactions. Uh, for me, my first year as a part-time agent, I did 12 transactions. Many of them were, were investor deals. And the, the great thing about doing more deals, writing more offers, is that you learn pretty quickly how to do the business. So I really like it for newer agents. Now, I know a lot of investors are going to say, well, I don't want to work with a new agent. But if you're hungry and willing to learn, it could be a great way for you to learn the business quickly. And then the, the last benefit that I have to talk about is about that steadiness of the income. You know, Brian Buffini, the great coach, he talks about how most realtors, when they look at their business, it's up and down. And of course, in the in the summer, it peaks. And then in the, in the winter time, it starts to dip off. But the cool thing about investors is they buy and sell year round. And it also creates a steadier income. Okay, so maybe it goes up and down a little bit. But if you're constantly closing a deal or two with your investor clients, it's a nice way to keep your business a little more steady. So that was my brainstorm of pluses. I'll get to the minuses in a second. Tony, do you have anything to add to the pluses of working with investors? Oh, definitely. If you in, uh, uh, Usually if you do a good job and they're going to stick with you, but also I have some, lots of agents that get them under buyer agreements because a lot of times uh, with investors, uh, uh, you might be putting in a lot of work, especially when you start with investors. I don't know, maybe you have some take on this too, Mike, is that when you start with an investor, you're putting in a lot of time and effort to, and you don't know if it's ever going to pay off. You don't have a long term. Sometimes agents are really scared like should I work with this investor or you know why did they leave their other agent so you got to take a leap of faith sometimes you got to might might try to get them on a buyer agreement to at least buy a house or a few houses with you so you're not putting in all this time and effort and uh you know if come you know hopefully right. it'll pay off but in the long run like like with you and your team you have a long relationship with several investors over years and years and years it's definitely 
pays off uh, right. in the long run. Right. So well, uh, those were the pluses. I'm going to hit the minuses real quick. And then that's a good prelude to the tips, Tony, because again, th those are questions that people have. They're like afraid they're going to do all this running around. So I'm, I've got my top three tips to working with investors. If you as agents weigh this and say, hey, I like the pluses. I understand the minuses. We're going to give you these top tips on working with them. Uh, and Tony, I just added buyer agreement to my list here as part of the one of the items. Um, so let me talk about the minuses, though, real quick. I did make a list of minuses uh, because it's not it, it can be difficult. Let me put it that way. So number one thing with investors is they can come across and be very demanding. So anytime you're dealing with uh, very driven individuals, um, high ego, potentially, uh, they are potentially very demanding. They want things done their way and sometimes they won't listen. So you have to be prepared for that and you have to learn how to manage that type of personality. Uh, the other thing is, you know, we talked about the pluses being the volume and the steady income, but remember a lot of investors are gonna ask you for a discount. It, you're doing volume, they want a volume discount. So you have to be prepared for that conversation. And they can be a lot of work too. Tony, as, as you said, especially in the beginning, you run around and look at a lot of houses for them. They're asking you to bird dog. It can be a lot of work. So definitely make sure you have the time in your schedule to devote to working with investors. And then a last one that I thought of, uh, and then I'll open it up for you, Tony, because I know you'll probably have some to add to this, but it's time zone challenges. So for example, we have investors all over the world. I've had investors in Hong Kong, Australia, and going the other way, Israel, England. And so you have to be prepared to accommodate some different time zones. So those were the four I came up with. Tony, anything to add to the challenges or, or, or minuses of working with them? Well, uh, as you know, and you would agree is that there's all types of investors, <laughs> you know, uh, is doing a little research and asking them questions. So a lot of times uh, agents will call me my opinion. Well, I got this investor. I go, how many properties does he, he or she own? Uh, I don't know. Uh, when's the last time they bought a property? I don't know. Uh, you know, just because they get a call or someone reached out to them, like they're looking to invest. Uh, you got to do a little research on, you know, how long they've been investing. Have they used other agents? Sometimes agents just like when they see that opening, like, ooh, investor. Well, you got to do a little research to see if they're worth your time or someone's just get, trying to invest. Uh, someone that says they would love to buy five, 10 houses a year, but never bought a house uh, investment property. <laughs> uh, different things like that, because there's a lot of people trying to dabble. There's dabble in, in real estate investing, and I wouldn't uh, you know, waste my time with the the dabbler. So if is that, if that, if that's a word, uh, yeah. dabbling in investing, cause then they, they get, uh, take up a lot of your time and they might not even buy anything and they get scared, you know, like kind of buyer's remorse because it's their first one or only second one. And they, you know, if that makes sense. For sure. Yeah. Tony. And that's uh, again, a great segue into the tips. So that is my number one tip actually for agents is vetting the investor properly. So they're going to ask you a lot of questions, but agents don't be afraid 
to ask these questions. And like Tony said, we have a great database available to us. We can just throw in their name, their company name, and look to see what they've done, look to see what agents they've worked with, see how many transactions they do. But certainly we should be asking them questions. For example, how are they going to pay? No different than any other buyer. Let's get a proof of funds or, or pre-approval letter and find out that they're capable of, of buying. I can't tell you, Tony, over the years, how many times I've gotten this call. Hey, Mike, it's Joe Investor. I want to buy 20 properties a month. And, you know, in, early in my career, I would get really excited. Oh, my God, I just got this investor who's going to buy 20 properties a month. And, and we know how rarely that type of thing pans out. But on the flip side of that, what, one thing I might add to what you said, Tony, about the uh, dabbler, I'm not necessarily looking to have one investor who does 10 deals a month. I'm okay if I've got five investors that each do for a year, you know, that's a pretty good foundation for my business. So as long as you've vetted them properly, I'm okay with the investor that does a few transactions a year, but vetting them is so, so important. Um, just to wrap up that thought, buyer's agreements, you know, you said that, Tony, remember a lot of times these guys and gals are buying properties that might be very low priced. And if you're running around for a thousand dollar commission, that may or may not pay the bills for you, you know, so get them to agree to some kind of minimum commission and get them to agree to work with you. Uh, and secondly, get their corporate documents. Find out that if I call you up and say, hey, I want to I want to invest in property, ask them for their corporate documents. Make sure that they can sign on behalf of the company and that the uh, proof of funds corresponds with all that information. So on, vet, on this first uh, tip is vetting the clients correctly. Uh, Tony, I may have stolen all your thunder there, but anything no, to add? No, just like, uh, have you ever uh, had a sale, so you're buying something and, uh, you know, I know it happens to me, it's like, I want someone to come out and give me an estimate on something that I'm doing to my house. Sometimes they'll say, are all the decision makers going to be there? Because <laughs> they don't want to come out and talk to you. And you say, yeah, this is great. And then next thing you know, your spouse says, that's terrible. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and they wasted their time. I suggest to get investors. So who are all the players in the in the company because I've had several agents get to a contractor get to something and all of a sudden they did that person didn't talk to their their partners or this or that or all of a sudden I've had agents where they had their partners they're on the other side of town buying properties over here and then when they got to closing they don't have the funds because they didn't realize the other side of their their uh, investment group is buying property over here. And now the, their funds that they were going to buy is gone. So you got to, you know, like you said, vet them and ask questions and make sure all the decision makers are in connection with you. Excellent. Thank you for adding that, Tony. This podcast is brought to you by Mike Ferrante from Century 21 Homestar and the 21 Mike team, real estate agents serving all of Ohio. Whether you're looking to buy, sell, or you're an agent looking to partner with the number two team for Century 21 in the entire U.S., contact Mike via email at mike at 21mike.com. So tip number two, tip, tip number one is vetting. Tip number two is about setting expectations and boundaries. All right, and I'll elaborate on this and open it up to Tony because I know he'll have something to add. But as far as the expectations, I think the number one pitfall that I had in learning how to work with investors was that I would run around and look at a lot of houses and then I would report back. I might, my, my numbers in the day when there was a lot of bank owned properties, I might look at 10 houses 
and find three that I thought could be a potentially good fit for the, the investor that I was looking for on that particular day. And then I'd report back to the investor and say, hey, I really like these three. Here's what I think the after rehab value could be. I would take a rough guesstimate on how much work I thought it needed, take a bunch of pictures, tell them it needed a kitchen, a bath, a roof, you know, windows, whatever. And then I would wait. And then three days later, they'd finally get back to me and say, oh, yeah, let's make an offer of this on that one. And I'd pull up, pull it up. And, oh, well, that one's gone already. So I think setting the proper expectation as to what the plan is going to be, if you're going to spend your time, how quickly they need to get back to you, how you're going to make offers, because we have to move quickly now, especially in this market. It's a lot different than it was 08 to 2012, especially uh, but setting the expectations. And then the second part of that was setting boundaries. Like I said, these folks can sometimes be pretty demanding and especially with some time zone constraints, they may wanna be calling you at four in the morning or 11 o'clock at night. And if that's not okay, then you have to have a plan. And so what, I, what I'll do, I have a guy I was just working with from Australia. And so I told him, I said, look, evening's not good for me. And I know that we either have to talk early in the morning or late in the evening. I said, if we need to talk, let's set it up the prior day for first thing in the morning. I'm up by 7, 7.15, 7.30, we could have a call. So he's just winding down for the day and I'm just getting up. And so we know that we're gonna have a call that morning if we need to talk. But because I set the correct expectation and had a plan, it worked out great. So I think a lot of agents are fearful. They're like, well, if I don't pick up my phone at 11 o'clock at night, they're not going to want to work with me. I disagree. It's about having a plan and setting the expectation. So expectations, boundaries, Tony, anything to add? Oh, definitely. No, that sounds great about when to talk. And But just like you brought up of when they're going to respond to you, because it, it gets frustrating. It's a two-way street of communication on that. So just making sure that, you know, what their times are and what's best to get a hold of them and how quickly they are to respond. Uh, and in uh, times, ex example, you know, because their, their time, sometimes these investors are they're middle of the night, they're talking with their other partners and they go, let's get a hold of our agent <laughs> and have those questions. Right. So yeah, setting the expectation of time is uh, most important. Yeah. I, I smile when I talk about this topic, Tony, because I've, I've done this for so many years. And of course, I've been an investor since 91. Uh, that's, I, that's when I bought my first investment house. Back in the day, I bought a HUD house for $15,301. That's a story for another time, but I, I'll re always remember it. Uh, all right, cool. So tips one, two, and three here. One is vetting them properly. Two is setting expectations and boundaries. And tip number three for today, there's a lot more, but these are the top three, is using the right tools. Okay, and I'm gonna give you a few examples. And I think a lot of us already have some of these tools, but maybe not all of them. So especially when working with investors who are out of your time zone, I really try to get them to communicate by email as much as possible for the reasons we just discussed. And making sure that they are also on board with that is really important in the beginning. Um, I think you have to be using electronic signatures, especially if they're out of, out of town. I think all of us are pretty much doing that. But having things set up, maybe even set up a template for that investor. And those of you who are using .loop, DocuSign, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Having a template so that each time you want to fire off an offer for that investor, you already know how long they take to close, how they're going to close, cash, 
what inspections they require, the length of time for those inspections, and any other terms that they have. You may even have multiple templates. So if they're if they're buying occupied rentals, you know certain terms that they like to review leases or review tenant uh, information, rent rolls, whatever it may be. Or for flippers, you may have a completely different template. So I really, really recommend having that stuff ready so that if you're writing, you know, say you're writing 10 offers a week for an investor, to have to start from scratch each time could really be time consuming. And then the other tool that I wanted to mention, it's a it's a phone app and it's called WhatsApp, W-H-A-T-S-A-P-P, WhatsApp. It's a messaging system. I think you guys use it at the, at the office, Tony. But WhatsApp is a messaging system that has really caught on here in the U.S., but it started overseas. And, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like a mashup of um, phone, your phone app, texting app and a little bit of social media mixed in. And this is a great app that you have to get on because you can make international calls as long as you have internet service. So it's kind of like Skype jammed in there, too. So if I'm talking to my guy in Italy I, as long as I have internet, we can talk for free using WhatsApp. Uh, Tony, anything to add there on the tools? I, I, I you know, there's a, I'm sure there's a bunch that I didn't hit, but those were the ones I thought of uh, quickly. No, just like uh, uh, what I love about WhatsApp is if, if you are consistently in a business or of a client that you are consistently like text messaging back and forth or a group, uh, you could set it up in WhatsApp so you don't have to keep on going back into this text group. It, it automatically puts people in there and you could add people or take people out. So like here in our office, I've got three or four different groups on my WhatsApp of our support in the office. So I'm talking about something, uh, my assistant, Brooke, we are in one and then the office staff here and I have other people that we, and then you don't have to keep on going back and forth to looking for that text group of people and you can have more than one person in, in a different group. So I think to me, it's just the organizing of, of, of in communication and collaboration on that. So yeah. uh, I actually have some loan officers doing that too. They're, they're setting up a WhatsApp with the buyer, the agent and them. So they're all in the group together to communicate and they don't have to keep, you know, they're all in the same and they, they could organize that if that makes sense. Yeah, brilliant. So Tony, one of the things you you taught me in one of our classes was about pinning a text message on your phone. So I've actually got a couple conversation groups pinned. And uh, again, you know how you normally you swipe from right to left to delete your texts. If you're on the text on your texting app, you slide it from left to right and it gives you the option to pin. And what it does is it puts that conversation right at the top. So you don't have to keep scrolling down to find that group of people you've been texting. So thank you for that. That was months and months ago. And that has been a huge help to me. I'm glad I could help. <laughs> well, like I said, the, the fun is in teaching, but what I love about teaching is that so many times I learn something. So we are about at our 20 minutes. These sessions sure fly by Tony. Uh, but that's all that's hopefully going to make some agents a little more comfortable in working with investors. Or maybe when you listen to those downsides, those minuses, maybe you say, yeah, that's not for me, but at least I saved you the trouble. So speaking of investors, and by the way, if I had tip number four, it would be make sure you have a relationship with a good uh, property manager, because like here at Homestar, we don't uh, do property management. But I think that's a good thing. Keeping the two separate, I think, adds a little system of checks and balances 
Yeah, the quick thing I would just say about property management, I was I almost daily, at least every other day, I have an agent. I got this investor and he wants me to manage the property. To me, the, the, your time spent selling properties is more valuable than your time managing properties. You can find a good property manager and, uh, and give that to someone who does it all of the time, That's that right. little extra money or thinking that you're going to keep a connection with them. I think tell agents too. imagine if something goes sour with the management, then you lose them. So yeah. it's not just because of keeping them. So this is something to think in mind. So and I'm for sure. sure. Any yeah. agent Tony will talk to me. He goes, Tony always talks me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. It's kind of like why I don't change my own oil. You know, I certainly could do it. I could buy quarts of oil and bust up my knuckles and crawl under my truck and, and change my oil. But uh, I think leave it to the people who do it full time. Now, there are agents who will be on who will say, oh, I do both and it works out fine for me, but uh, we're going to we're going to give you some ideas on how to handle it, especially if you are your brokerage or if you're with Homestar and you don't do property management. But that's all I have for you today. So don't forget, guys, if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, please subscribe and go to 21mike.com to schedule an appointment. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, everyone. All right. Take care. All right. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed free beer and real estate from Century 21 Homestar and the 21 Mike team. Please subscribe to our podcast and find us on YouTube by searching for Mike Ferrante, Cleveland Realtor. You will find videos, training, and even recipes from 21 Mike's Vegan Kitchen.